stumble out of bed and I stumble to the kitchen Pour myself a cup of ambition and yawn and stretch and try to come to life Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping Out on the streets the traffic starts jumping with folks like me on the job from nine to five Working nine to five, what a way to make Top of the charts Tuesday, my man Patrick I gotta tell you, he's in rare form today. All bangers. It just—I guess—that's the theme of uh, Top of the Charts Tuesday. All bangers. This one from Dolly Parton. I don't know what year this came out. It came out with the movie, right? Did it come yeah, out with the movie? Came out with the movie. I believe. Uh, early I don't know 80s. when the movie came out. I remember I've saw, I saw, seen the movie before, but I don't remember when it came out. Early mid '80s, somewhere around there. Dolly Parton, one of the most beloved Americans, based on Q scores. In yeah. Q score history, Q scores are basically uh, favorability rate, uh, uh, ratings. How how much people like you? How many people know about you? How many people dislike you? Actually, speaking of Kim Kardashian, not as Kim Kardashian jokes on the spec text line. Appreciate those. Uh, she's one of the most disliked celebrities based on Q scores in the history of Q scores. At one time, she was actually more disliked than Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby. And this is after the news broke about Bill Cosby. And ironically, speaking of Bill Cosby, he has the highest Q score, the highest likability, favorability rating in the history of Q scores. Irony. <laughs> and now, I mean, obviously, he's disgusting and one of the most hated figures in American, yeah. American history, American pop culture. Uh, but yeah. So there you go. Ran, I don't know why we got off on a random tangent. It's, it's, it's Patrick's fault. All top, my fault. Top of the charts <laughs> Tuesday. Very uh, eclectic. My favorite musically themed day of the week. Always gets us on tangents, but also broadening our horizons. We appreciate that. Patrick, also the man that broke the news for Cowboys fans, and it was damn good news that the Cowboys made a trade. Traded a fifth-round pick for Stephon Gilmore, the cornerback who was once defensive player of the year uh, from the Colts, and now he is going to uh, sure up that cornerback spot for the Cowboys. Opposite Trevon Diggs. Remember, I told you last year that was your Achilles' heel on defense. That was your biggest weakness on defense last year. Kelvin Joseph couldn't figure it out, even though you drafted him. So give the Cowboys props because they force, foreshadowed this or foresaw this, I should say. Right? They knew this was a coming issue. That's why they drafted Kelvin Joseph, boss man fats in the second round. Just didn't work out. You don't hit on all your draft picks. So that didn't work out. Anthony Brown, you know, he was their best option. He ends up getting hurt. I told y'all y'all was going to miss Anthony Brown. Y'all kept talking about he was trash. He was a bum. And I was like, well, no, because I know some people probably when I played at Texas called me trash and called me a bum, too, because I wasn't Quentin Jammer or Nathan Vastro. I wasn't as good as those guys. I'll admit that. I was the other corner. I was Anthony Brown in my time. I remember being that guy. And you just get targeted a lot. It's not that you're bad. People just keep throwing at you because they're not going to throw at the other guy who's an all-pro. Right. Or who's an All-American in my case here in Texas. So he was the other corner. So I always took up Anthony Brown. And I told y'all when he left, I was like, man, y'all going to miss that dude. Well, I wish I wasn't right about it, but I was. They cycled through Kelvin Joseph. Nation, right? Deron Bland went out there for a little while. They brought in Mackenzie Alexander and Kendall Sheffield and Trayvon Mullen just to give them bodies. Remember, they opened the cornerback job up midseason. 
and said, it was open competition. Open competition? It was like it was like it was like week ten. And they were like, open competition at cornerback spot opposite Trevon Diggs. Cause they just did well, I don't know. Actually, I'm just I don't know exactly when it is, but it was late. It was after Anthony Brown got hurt, of course. So I don't know exactly when it was, but I remember the headline was that Dan Quinn was opening up the cornerback competition. I was like, wow, that is desperation. So they figured that out. Remember, Xavier Xavier Rose played the quarterback position too. They I want to say they probably had four or five guys that occupied that cornerback position at one point for the Cowboys, and none of them were able to do the job that Anthony Brown did. And this is a hell of an upgrade over Anthony Brown. So secondary for the Cowboys right now getting a lot of attention. That trade is money. The Cowboys play a ton of man coverage. Uh, They're top five in the NFL in terms of their man coverage rate. And Stephon Gilmore made his hay, if you will. You see, won that defensive play of the year, playing his best football and playing a ton of man coverage. So they're top five in man-to-man coverage rate. He's going to get back to playing that. The Colts played more zone, so kind of taking him out of his comfort zone. And the Cowboys and Dan Quinn – they're going to they're gonna maximize his skill set. Dan Quinn's really good at that. Guys are having career years, revitalizing their careers, reinventing their careers under Dan Quinn with the Cowboys. All right, And happening to Jay Run Curse, happening to Malik Cooker, specifically in the secondary, and it could end up happening with Stephon Gilmore as well. Hell of a pickup, Cowboys. Well yeah. done. Well done. I didn't, I, I didn't think they'd do it. I've been, I've been criticizing their inability to maximize the trade market and maximize free agency they still have not touched free agency, really. They, they signed Donald Wilson, but that was one of their guys. They love their guys. But this is a hell of a move by the Cowboys, and I do think it's Dan Quinn's influence. And I'll get to the safety uh, position here in a second. I think this is Dan Quinn's influence, and Dan Quinn getting a lot more say about how to construct this team because my conspiracy theory, I'm on the grassy knoll here, but I'm not the only one, is that the only reason y'all got Dan Quinn to stay as your defensive coordinator and to remove his name from uh, job openings as he's done over the last couple of years with the Cowboys is because not only did he see something special with the Cowboys, he knows Michael Parsons is a special talent. I think he really enjoys coaching the Cowboys players and he likes the players he has, but also um, I think that there's an understanding behind the scenes between he and Jerry Jones that if this Mike McCarthy experiment doesn't work out, then you are going to be the next coach of the Cowboys. Now, if it does work out and we go to the conference title game and we go to the Super Bowl, everybody wins. Nobody's complaining about that. But if we don't, I'll move on, and I'm moving on to Dan Quinn, baby. That's why defensive moves to start out the NFL offseason, or the NFL New Year, I should say, for the Cowboys. Defensive moves. Stephon Gilmore, a very uncharacteristic trade for the Cowboys. Going to get another corner, and then the move to re-sign Donovan Wilson. Like both of them, by the way. Love them. Love them. And I think this could be, too, that they feel this is a more offensive-heavy draft of guys they Mm -hmm. like. And they're like, wait a minute, we need to shore up our defense now and then try and go more on the offense and let Mike McCarthy take some of the guys he likes in the offense because we don't want to overpay. We feel the market's too high on wide receivers, so we'd rather draft a wide receiver. We feel Mm -hmm. the market's too high, that running back, we may want to draft there. We may want to draft some of these offensive positions because we feel like there's too much, but the market's okay on defense. So let's go ahead and shore up this defense that way, which is the which is a better way to build a team of knowing, hey man, where we're going to put our money and our draft picks. I don't think they've done that in the past, but this one too. It's funny because I talked yesterday about when you leverage everything in the draft, when you have a bad draft, it can ruin you. Mm-hmm. This is them making up for that boss man fats pick. Yes, it's basically them saying. We should have a corner here, 
if our plan was to – we would have this corner. So the one trade we're going to make right now is go fill the one position we messed up on the draft. That is, that's a great point. He'd be on a rookie deal, and you'd already had it done. Yeah. He'd be going into his way's third year or whatever yeah. on that rookie deal. And you'd have both your corners basically still in a rookie deal, and you'd have to resign Trevin Diggs. But, yeah, that, that's yeah, a great so. point. They, at least they admitted it. Yeah, they, they, exactly. They didn't admit it. Yeah, because you're right about that. They, like I said, they thought Bossman Fats – in two years, he'll have that cornerback spot solidified. We want to worry about Anthony Brown. They didn't anticipate last year going the way it did. Uh, but like I said, I love that move. And honestly, I think I love the Donovan Wilson move more than I, than I love the Stephon Gilmore move. And here's why. Because I have long on this show complained about the Dallas Cowboys and their treatment of the safety position. I do believe they're behind the times when it comes to their – valuation of the safety position overall. They don't want to spend draft capital and they don't want to spend salary cap capital on the safety position. And I understand because it's a salary cap league. Salary cap league is a fixed budget. I always compare it to, like all of us, fixed budget. You go to a grocery store, you're shopping, right? You don't have an unlimited budget at the grocery store. You got a fixed budget. And based on that fixed budget, there are some things you're going to splurge on. You're going to get the name brand of this. You're going to get the generic brand of that. All right? I got to get the necessities first. Got to get the, the, the eggs and the meat and the bread and the cheese. Get the necessities first. Then I'll get, get my Oreos and my, and my Bud Light. I might not get, get the 12-pack or get the six-pack, whatever it is, right? We all make those decisions on a fixed budget. That's all a salary cap is. And the Cowboys have decided they want to get the generic brand of safety. That They're not going to spend. They're going to get a discount there. They're not going to spend a lot of draft capital there. Not going to spend a lot of money there. We know this because the stats bear it out, right? Um, since 2002, Cowboys have only spent one pick in the top 125 picks of any draft on a safety. Since 2013, 75% of the NFL has picked at least one safety in the first two rounds of the NFL draft. The Cowboys are one of eight who have not. They don't value safety like that. Even their three safeties now, what? They were all bargains. Six-round pick, Donovan Wilson. You got Malik Hooker, got him off the trash heap, essentially, uh, as a one-year rental mercenary deal. J-Run Curse revitalized his career, resuscitated his career. Now, he's one of the best safeties in the league. But those are all bargains and discounts. And by the way, that methodology for the Cowboys to skimp on the safety position was failing miserably until they acquired Dan Quinn. Think about it. Now they have the best safety trio in the league. First of all, nobody uses safeties more than Dan Quinn. He uses three safeties, whether it be a nickel package, 5 DBs, or a down package, 6 DBs. 40% of the time, he's using three safeties. I don't think anybody's using three safeties like that. And they're all really good. Honestly, the only safety, only group of safeties that I was going to put ahead of the Cowboys group of safeties might have been that, that group from Buffalo. All right, but hell, I don't even think they're together. Mercury Jordan Poyer is going to be a free agent. I'm not sure if that's going to last. That Cincinnati Bengals pair was a damn good group of safeties there, too. Um, you know, because now Von Bell and Jesse Bates, both of those guys are gone. I think um, Seattle has got a really good Quandre with uh, – is Jamal Adams even still there? I think he is. Just hurt. But they invest in safety. As a matter of fact, John Snyder just said we need to be invested in safety because it helps the versatility of our defense. Uh, same thing with Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn right now is lead, he's pioneering uh, deep p- positionless football on the defensive side of football. Right, Shano's doing it on offense. Shano has got the best positionless football offense in the NFL. Dan Quinn, arguably best positionless football defense in the NFL. You know what I've said? I've been saying it for five years. The future of football is positionless football. It just the NFL. They they they're just starting to get into it, but they ain't caught up yet. And Dan Quinn, he's a football theorist like myself. I believe he sat down one day and came to the same conclusion I did. I got to go positionless. 
And he was doing it, by the way, before he got Micah. He was doing that with Devondre Campbell with the Atlanta Falcons. He was doing that. He was, and I believe that guy was an all-pro when he ended up uh, playing for the Packers, but he was experimenting with him in much the very same way that he was. He started experimenting with Michael Parsons. I, I don't know if it was just serendipity or coincidence that they drafted the best positionless football defender while Dan Quinn was the head coach, sorry, the defensive coordinator, but I doubt it. Freud didn't slip there, but I doubt it. I think this is all deliberate. This is this is all intentional, and I, I that's why the three safeties that they use so much, um, and they signed the other two to two year deals, so they have Malik Hooker and they have J Run Curse for one more year on those deals. But I like the Donovan Wilson signing because the Cowboys they don't spend a lot of money on safety, and right now I think Malik Hooker and J Run Curse are ranked twenty eighth and thirty third in in safe in annual value of their uh, annual salary at the safety position. Actually, they're not paying that much for those guys. And then I believe Donovan Wilson puts him, he puts him right there near the top twenty. It's not absurd, though. It's not absurd considering, like I said, you may have the best core of safeties in the league right now. That you're in that conversation. And now with Trevon Diggs, an All-Pro corner, and also now with Stephon Gilmore, former Defensive Player of the Year, you're in the conversation for the best secondary in the league because you're six defensive back. Your dying package back is Deron Bland, a rookie who had five picks this year. It's pretty damn good. I, I said, I, if I was Cowboys fans, I'd be giddy. You should be. Yeah. I, I, I just love you. I love the fact that they <laughs> saw the problem and found a solution to it that when we were talking about it yesterday, it seemed like they had not even made offers. Reports where they had not even made offers that to some players. There was a report. They had no zero offers. Yeah. Zero offers. Uh, now the report I've read is they've made offers to Van Der Esch and Williams but have not made one to Schultz because they basically said, we offered you before a deal we thought was very good and you didn't want that. So you go find your – you come back to us when you go find your market. Uh, but that they had made offers to Donovan Wilson, clearly. Report is they've made one to Van Der Esch and then get Gilmore in. They, that they are – Jerry Jones is awake and making moves <laughs> in the illegal tampering area. We're not a weekend at Bernie's situation <laughs> no. with Jerry Jones. We, we he's not. He doesn't forget <laughs> that it was. He wasn't out spring breaking this week. Uh, no, but I, like I said, I'm surprised. Like I said, I, all the tracking I've been doing about safety, uh, this is uh, against the norm for the Cowboys of safety, and I do believe it is Dan Quinn influenced. I think the Stephon Gilmore decision was Dan Quinn influenced uh, decision. So I, I like what the Cowboys have done so far. Uh, in the legal tampering period, but I, I'm saying I love that Donovan Wilson signing. They 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 usually let guys even Jay Run Curse last year. They let him hit the free agent market. They wanted him to go see what he was worth on a free agent market. They allowed him to do that, and I think I think their you know their belief was the market will you know the market will bear that he's not worth as much as he thinks he's worth, and he'll come back to the Cowboys if he's getting lowballed. He'll come to us and go, well, if I'm gonna be lowballed, I might as well stay where I am. Yeah. That's not, they didn't let that happen this, this time, though. They, they offered Donovan Wilson before he got a chance yes. to really entertain a lot of offers. That means they really wanted that guy. Yeah, they I think they, yeah, they wanted him. That the asking price was not ridiculous, where <laughs> some of these things you can see and go, look, man, we can't afford to give you 15 a year. For Donovan Wilson, it would have been, we can't afford to give you 12 a year or something like that in some crazy safety deal because mm-hmm. you played well, but we're not paying you like a top five t- a safety. If you're not 
we don't feel you're a top five state. We we can go get Jordan Poyer for that money. Yeah, I mean, he led the Cowboys with 77 solo tackles last year at a career-high five sacks. I just think they work well together. He just he works really well in Dan Quinn's system. And why screw that up? I mean, if you're bringing in another safety that's you know capable of playing at a high level, he's not comfortable in that system already. So I, I love the signing. I love what the Cowboys have done. I don't know how often I've said that, that I love what the Cowboys have done so uh, far well, in this offseason. Let's hit it again. What? Get out of here. Cowboys are signing back. Leighton Vanderash, source seven, giving a two-year deal worth eleven million dollars. Leighton Vanderash back on the Cowboys. Get out of here! Come on, Cowboys! I like as it. A, as a, that's on Ian Rappaport. That is fantastic. So, and we just said some praises, and Jerry Jones is working hard today. Man, I, I, they're I, I, shoring up that defense real quick. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, if you're an offensive player, maybe not so much, but defensive end, Dan Quinn. <laughs> Dan Quinn working overtime. Go to our theory that if the offense underachieves, it's all going to be blamed on Mike McCarthy, even without the weapons. It'll be like, yeah. Mike McCarthy, you got to get out. You're fired. <laughs> You're Dan out of Quinn, here. you get out of here with your defense, which is a top five defense. But I will say that that, that defense, though, like I said, it, it's led the NFL in takeaways in back-to-back seasons. The last time, and we haven't talked enough about that, by the way. We should talk more about it. Because the last time an NFL defense led the NFL in takeaways was the steel curtain. They did it three years in a row. And the Cowboys can now match the steel curtain potentially. That is some rarefied error to be in. Anytime you say the last time something like that was done was the steel curtain, and now you can compare your defense, some of their accomplishments to the steel curtain, and you're doing something right. And that's what we got going on with Dan Quinn. So I understand why Jerry Jones is probably listening more to Dan Quinn uh, right now than maybe even Mike McCarthy. Wow. I like the move. I love love that move, actually, because I said you had two weaknesses on your defense last year. Right? What were the two main weaknesses? That corner opposite Trevon Diggs and your rush defense. And the rush defense really suffered. I'm talking about it took a nosedive, a precipitous uh, drop-off when you lost Lane Vanderesh and when you lo- uh, when, before you uh, brought in Jonathan Hankins. Brought in Jonathan Hankins, that was big. It really did help. And I think they'll, uh, and Patrick made a good point, they'll find a Jonathan Hankins type if they don't, you know, don't uh, resign Jonathan Hankins. They'll get a type like that. They know they need it. Everybody needs that plunger I talked about, right? When the fit hits the shed. So they'll get one of those. Hell, Keandre Coburn can be that guy for them. They can find one in the draft. But the the rush defense, like I said, it fell off a cliff when Leighton Vanderesh was was hurt. And when Leighton Vanderesh came back, the rush defense, once again, it 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 hit its stride. He was a big part of it. He had his second best year, but he was arguably your most important run defender. And he had, a, I think, one of the lowest broke, uh, missed tackle rates in the NFL. He really was, like I said, the MVP when he came to defending the run game, him and Jonathan Hankins. I think that was a smart move, bringing him back, because he also allows you to hybridize Micah Parsons. Without him, you got you to gotta, you gotta stick Micah Parsons at off-ball linebacker way too often. If you have a stable, stabilizing force at off-ball linebacker, you love Damone Clark. Right, you like your young linebackers and Jabril Cox and Damone Clark, but you got LVE there. That means you can move Micah around the chessboard, and it allows you. I mean, he he basically allows you to kind of catalyst, the catalyst, if you will, of the defense because he allows you to move around your most important and your most impactful chess piece. So I look, man. How many years they say? Just uh, it, two years, I believe. Okay, all right. Good year. I mean, I. I I don't I, listen. I don't often praise the Cowboys like this, but I'll give them a lot of credit. Two listen, years, eleven million. 
Some great moves, man. I know they're under the radar for the most part because you're just re-signing your own guys because we like our guys. Uh, but those are really important guys, man. Really important. No, and that's you've now taken that defense of, well, there's a lot of question marks who can't bring back a safety. If you can't bring back a cornerback, if you can't bring back a linebacker, and now you can say, well, maybe you can add the linebacking core. Mm-hmm. Maybe you, you still need to find somebody in the interior D-line. Yep, got to find that piece. That's the one piece that's really missing on this defense right now. But I think now you are doing additions to a really good defense that's already there as opposed to having to replace. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, the Cowboys right now, we'll see if you know they make any moves actually like outside free agents. They're a homegrown team, though. I point this out before. I'll get into this in Rod's round today, though. I mean, this these numbers are still true. If you go look at percentage of snaps from last season by homegrown talent, Cowboys lead the NFL. 73% of their snaps, homegrown talent, players they drafted. Philly actually wasn't far behind either. Philly was at 64%. Uh, New England was at 64%. If you go look at the salary cap, <clears throat> uh, the salary cap allocation for players who are the top players acquired via free agency. Uh, if you go look at, you know, basically the top 15 uh, players who uh, affect the salary cap or hits against the salary cap, the Cowboys only have three of their top 15 that were free agents. Um, that is the lowest number, or at least it was the lowest number in the NFL. They are homegrown. That's what they believe in. So they're going to re-sign their guys, especially when their guys actually are performing at a high level. Leighton Vanderis, second best year he's had. Donovan Wilson, best year he's had. That's the Cowboy way. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, right now, I, you know, if I, if I had something to be critical about, I would do it when it comes to the Cowboys. I love these moves, man. These are great moves. And it's all about the defense, which and I hate to say this. It seems like they may be going to a more ball control. Mike McCarthy's face, he said, I want to run the ball. I want to run the ball. Now, you're going to need a running back to do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, uh-huh. But, yes, but they want to run the ball. And if, if you want to take that style, they're leaning more and more that way and bringing back guys. Uh, it's been a, it's a, been a much better Tuesday for the Cowboys than it was a Monday. Yeah, and that means they're definitely going to address running back in the draft. Remember, I had the report yesterday. So I can bring back the report that the Cowboys are looking at a run. They like a running back in the draft. And Bobby Bell says the running back is Rojo. And I think they like him because they don't think they're going to get Bijan. They don't think Bijan's yeah. going to be there for him. Um, honestly, the way it's looking, I, BJ could, could drop. He might drop. He could drop because his running back draft is so deep. And we just talked about you can get you can get Zach Evans and Tank Bixby in like the third or the fourth round. You get Rojo in the third or the fourth round. Right? Kendra Miller will be a late, he'll be a second, third round pick. Jameer Gibbs. I mean, there's a lot of good running backs in this draft. I didn't even mention Bijan, who's the best one. Um, and Ty J. Spears, that kid out of UCLA. I, I don't know how to say his last name. Zach, uh, is it Carbonette? I don't know how to say his name, but he's a good player too. Uh, and then we talked about the trades. Now Adam Schefter's reporting Austin Eckler, Derek Henry, Nick Chubb, and Dalvin Cook all are, are available for a trade. And then the free agent market also loaded running backs. David Montgomery, Miles Sanders, Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette, Jamal Williams, Deontay Foreman. Like I said, it's it's a really deep running back market right now, period. Um, so the Cowboys, they, they got to take advantage of that because Tony Pollard's not going to be there for them early on in the season. And, you, you know, if you want to run the ball, you're going to need multiple running backs. Yeah. 
And one of those should not be Zeke. None of those. Yeah, I agree. None of those should be Zeke. I mean, when you we can just... list off, we can go, I can name off probably, what, 10 running backs in the draft that would be a better shot at playing running back better than Zeke did last year. Amen, bro. So that's 10 in the draft. There's probably another 10 to 15 free agents. And then there's trade market. So we can say that there is easily over 30 options at running back currently available. That it are better that than way. Zeke. I, I don't dis- honestly. It makes it really hard for me to believe you should keep Zeke on this roster. I think you're right. I know a little bit of hyperbole there, but you may not be that far off. I don't think I'm that far off. <laughs> yeah, if we're gonna say able. five available by trade, four or five available by trade, at draft least, is like ten. At least ten in the draft. Like 10 at least in ten in free agency. Yeah, I say, you're, right, you're closer than you think. <laughs> uh, so I, I, at this point, I think the Cowboys should move on. They have the most expensive running back room right now in the history of the NFL. That will change, uh, but it needs to change in a hurry. It needs to get younger there. But I love what the Cowboys are doing right now on defense. We'll see if they focus more on the offensive side of the ball. We haven't talked about that. what the Texans have done. We'll get into what the Texans have done. And also, I'll uh, give you a little research project I've been working on about free agency and really the NFL's version of free agency and how how it can really be, um, man, it can be a dark place. Very tempting uh, for teams, but also can lead them down a dark path. We'll talk about that coming back right here on Ball Don't Lie, one of four nine the Hornets. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody, stay calm. Oh, oh you've done it now. It's time for Rod's oh. rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Uh, getting back to the Cowboys, who've made some moves. And by the way, I, I was doing some, um, some research on the LVE uh, signing and why it was so impactful because I, I, I went and got this from earlier this season uh, when LVE went out for the Cowboys. So success rate is a deep dive kind of analytical statistic um, and it's a, it's one that's a composite, so it's a lot of different things thrown in there. But essentially, it's trying to determine how often a team uh, either on first down gets 50% of the yardage that is needed for the first down. So 50% of the yards uh, you know, needed to gain a first down on first down. On second down, it tracks um, how often, and I think it's like, you know, 70% of how often um, a team, 70% of the yardage they need to gain on second down. Like, so they go from 50% of the yardage needs to gain on first down to 70% of the yards needed to be to gain on second down. And then third down is 100%. So how often you get 100% of the yards needed to gain a first down on third down. So that's basically how the stat works. And they do it, they flip it offensive and defensive. So the rushing success rate for the Cowboys on defense with Leighton Vanderesh, 65%. It was second best in the NFL. Defensive rushing success rate with LVE on the field. Without LVE, it dropped to 47%, 32nd. Dead ass last. <laughs> Their defensive success overall with Leighton Vanderesh on the field, success rate, by the way, so we're measuring, 61.5%, fourth best in the league, top five defense. Without LVE, dropped to 26th. Oh, he made a difference. Jonathan Hankins, same thing. Like I said, you need to get a type of Jonathan Hankins. You don't got to get Jonathan Hankins, but you need to have a type like that. Every house needs a plunger. Every defense needs a wide-body 
double-team-taking, gap-clogging defensive tackle who can just be stout at the point of attack. And they didn't have one last year, and they had to go get Jonathan Hankins. His numbers, rushing yards allowed with Jonathan Hankins, 3.67. Without Jonathan Hankins, that number rises to 4.53. You're talking about damn near a yard difference. You, every every house needs a plunger. You better get one. Kendrick Coburn can help you out with that if you need that too. But I like those numbers. That's why I love I love the moves the Cowboys have made. They're signing their own because we like our guys. And here's why I read this quote for you: Why Jer- Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones, why they've decided and they don't like free agency. Here is the Stephen Jones quote: You're going to pay good players like they're great, average players like they're good, below average players like they're average. It's just not a great way to build a football team. And the Cowboys used to be overly reliant on free agency, remember? I looked at free agency spending for, since 2012, and the Cowboys, 2012, they were 10, 2013, 12, 2014, they were tied for 11, 2015, they were tied for 9, 2016, they were 11th. And my man Patrick pointed this out yesterday. You bring in Will McClay, Will McClay becomes. Uh, basically the head of player personnel around the time. I think he's the VP in 2017. You drop to 25th in free agency spending, then 26th, then 20th, 28th, and 19th in 2021. They just don't spend a lot of money in free agency. They don't believe in that. And, and I'll admit, it is the worst way. You go look at contracts that are assigned, looking at wins above replacement, great way to determine value overall. You look at drafted players and wins above replacement, they usually account for around on average, since 2015, less than 10% of the salary cap or around 10%, and 38 wins above replacement. You look at unrestricted free agents accounting for 24% of the salary cap and yet only 25 wins above replacement. Extending your own players who you drafted who are homegrown, 33 wins above replacement accounting for less than 19% of the salary cap. You just get way more bang for your buck when you build through the draft and when you re-sign your own guys. That's why the Cowboys are the most homegrown team in the NFL. Goes without saying, 73% of their snaps came from guys who were drafted by the Cowboys. No other team in the NFL has a number that high. Also, you look at free agency spending and players who account for the most salary cap dollars uh, who are also free agents. Cowboys have the fewest free agents accounting for salary cap dollars. So they're the most homegrown team in the league because they understand they want to build through the most fiscally responsible way to build a team, which is through the draft and undrafted free agents. As a matter of fact, not only are the Cowboys great in the draft, I point this out, look at undrafted free agency rankings, and the undrafted free agents are basically the penny stocks of the NFL they were ranked number one last year in their undrafted free agency class, number two in 2021. They were number one in 2020. They were number nine in 2019. They, the, the two talent acquisition areas that they specialize in, they're actually some of the best in the NFL. They're like top five in the league. They really are. Problem was, they don't, they don't exhaust every possible means to acquire talent like they're doing now with the trade for Stephon Gilmore. And honestly, it's because uh, Catboy, Catboy, he's a little cheap. I would say you can be frugal, don't be cheap. And the free agency game is about spending wisely. I always compare it to comparison to how you spend money at a gentleman's club, right? There's a way to uh, solicit these services at a gentleman's club, and some of them give you more bang for your buck than others. And you can compare it straight to the NFL, right? You go look at the, the best bang for your buck in a gentleman's club is still to this day, it's the tip drill, right, the dollar. You go up to the stage, 
You got your dollar. I haven't been to a gentleman's club in a while, but I'm sure it still works similar to the same way. You go up to the stage with your dollar, and the young lady will give you 30 seconds or a minute of a dance and attention just for a dollar. A dollar! It's amazing. Best deal still to this day. It's like that Arizona iced tea. Still 99 cents. It's still a dollar. Inflation has not hit that, that, that portion of the gentleman's club. And I love it. It's the best, it's the best bargain at the gentleman's club. That's the draft. Best bang for your buck. You ain't going to get a better bang for your buck than NFL draft. All right? Now, the only way you can get a better bang for your buck than that would be if you dating the stripper, which I've also done, and then you get free lap dances. And then, well, that's, just, that's like undrafted free agency. I mean, you get undrafted free agents that make your squad. All right? That's, hey, it's like free lap dances, man. That's, that's a better value than even the tip drill. The trade is basically the $20 lap dance. I'm sure that's going up too. But it's a negotiation, just like a trade is. You get to negotiate. You can talk a little bit. Uh, about this, about that. Oh, not this song, that song. Boom, boom, boom. That's what it is. All right, now that actually is probably one of the more expensive transactions <laughs> uh, out there. That's what a trade. But free agency, the most expensive means of acquisition in terms of talent. That's like going to the strip club, and y'all have all seen it, and making it rain. I've done that. Yeah, I made it to the league. I had to do it at least once in my life. There's, there's, there's not a more wasteful way <laughs> to spend your money than to go into a gentleman's club and to make it rain. You get, no, you get no return on your investment. Not at all. All those little dollars you spent, you could have went up to the stage one at a time and got a minute of free entertainment. All right? Of erotic entertainment right there in your face. One-on-one, eye contact, all that stuff. And now you went in and want to make it rain. That's free agency. That's how the Cowboys view it. And they don't want to go to strip club and make it rain. They don't. That's not how they operate. They'd much rather go the fiscally responsible route of draft, undrafted free agency. But my point is, they are right. You shouldn't build a team primarily through free agency. I, I got numbers, and I'll go over them tomorrow, why that is flawed logic. But you should complement and supplement your roster construction with trades, with the trade market, and with free agency. And the Cowboys, they're using trade market. I like that. They need to use free agency a little bit more, too. And think about it. You got Malik Hooker. You got J. Run Curse for free agency. Those guys were diamonds in the rough. Part of your, your safety core, which is now one of the best in the NFL. All the things, the, the Cowboys just need to do more of some of the things they don't do enough of, right? I always say the Cowboys are good at drafting quarterbacks. They just don't draft enough of them. They drafted the second fewest quarterbacks in the NFL since 1999. Yo, Mike White's a backup for the damn Dolphins right now. That's a Cowboys drafted quarterback. They drafted Dak as a happy accident. He was like Viagra. They didn't know he was going to be great. Turns out, one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Drafted him in the fourth round. When they finally draft one, they're actually pretty damn good. Draft more. When they actually make a trade, Amari Cooper, Jonathan Hankins, Stephon Gilmore, they're actually pretty good at it. Trade more. You understand what I'm saying? Do more of these things that actually are leading to success. Like, I, I, don't, I, I don't understand why they're so timid with these other means and ways to acquire talent. So more, on the, more trades for the Cowboys. Be, you know, be judicious, but still more trades. Be more active. And then they should be more active in free agency. I like that they don't overspend in free agency. I like that they don't make it rain in the strip club. But I will need them to go up to you know the, the, the tip drill to the dollar stage every now and then and uh, spend judiciously. And they don't do enough of it. I think they should make sure that the, the draft is not their only means of talent acquisition. And right now they're just, they're just 
over leveraged and overly invested in the draft. They need to diversify their means of talent acquisition. All right. I will tell you, if you get signed to Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, that's like opening a tab at strip club. <laughs> And you come back, you're like, what is this $78 that's on the strip club tab? Like, oh, the girl bought some drinks for herself. <laughs> I've also made that mistake. You yeah. know, now, if I, now, this is a 10-year-old rule, but I, I, I treat the strip clubs like Vegas. I just get cash, oh, it's cash before only. I go in, and when I spend that cash, I'm done. That's the way you got to do can't, it. If I'm at the ATM in the gentleman's club, something went horribly wrong. <laughs> Send me, that woman is good. She is great at her job. She got me. She convinced me to oh, go to the ATM. Ghost. Oh, man. This, see, yeah. Not so Jerry, Jerry Jones. Somebody, Dan Quinn is convincing Jerry Jones to go to the ATM in the strip club. Come on, now. Ain't happening in a while. It's a beautiful thing. All right, we come back. Uh, we'll talk about a little NBA. What the hell is Jason Kidd talking about? Right here on Ball Don't Lie, wonderful number All right, Patrick just continues. He's in He's in his own. I mean, this has been all bangers today. Fantastic. Love that one, too. Uh, getting Rick Road, is that the thing? That yes. The thing? I mean, this is not Rick Rolling. I know, just but playing it, this song, that's, but tricking yeah, someone that's, into it. That's yes. what brought it back to yes. prominence, right? Getting Rick Road back in the day. Uh, there you go. My man, Patrick. Top of the charts Tuesday, playing jams. I reached the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. Okay, real quick, little mini NBA segment here because we haven't talked a ton of NBA because the basketball we're talking about is NCAA tournament basketball. As a matter of fact, next segment, we're getting back to that conversation. We'll talk about the burnt orange Kool-Aid, Texas uh, being, whew, I got to tell you, being the, uh, the pick to make it to the Final Four by many, many of the experts. So we'll get into that coming up next segment. Uh, but John Morant, he is now going to be attending uh, a counseling program. I entered into a counseling program in Florida. Uh, we don't know exactly what the uh, what the reason was for the counseling uh, therapy program and the session. He didn't really reveal that, uh, but he, it has been revealed that he is seeking help at a retreat at some pro, uh, counseling program in Florida, and there's no timetable for his return. To play, there is even a rumor now, Patrick, that he may not return this season. Yeah, I, I think that they're trying to figure it out. It's, I would assume he will be back this season. I, I don't think that the Grizzlies or him or anybody wants this to go that way. I get that the stories are keep coming out. The problem is, I think he's staying in there and trying to let everything come out while he's out, so he can come back after everything's out. I don't think he wants to come back. Because now they're bringing back a volleyball story about how uh, he was at his sister's volleyball game and someone called Ooh. his sister a B-word and oh. his whole family went after this person. Ooh, okay. And then there was then someone swatted a, a phone out of somebody's hand. And then somebody, after the fact, added that there was a gun, but that's not was not in any of the initial yeah, reports. Yeah, so. they said that they, they, they did, the police did confirm there was not a gun in that incident. Yeah. Like, they didn't have Yeah, one. so yeah. There, there are people kind of adding on stuff, yeah. too. But I think there's probably, he knows, he's like, oh, no, no, there's a few more things that need to come out first. And then we can go, I can try and, you know, and hopefully he's getting help to figure out, what, you know, just to stop trying to ruin 
a good thing he has going. <laughs> he's obviously got some demons, which we all do, by the way. Yeah. He's got some demons of some kind. So it's all, listen, therapy, we should all go to therapy. Hopefully it's just good therapy with him getting stuff off his chest and getting some um, advice, some counsel about how to handle whether it be mental health issues or you know him taking care of himself stress management whatever it may be uh, that's leading to these these acting out almost like i don't know if you would use that term talking about children oftentimes but he's 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 acting out yeah and there's obviously a reason for him acting out in this manner uh okay i want to play that jason kidd sound so we'll play next segment if we have time to play the jason kidd. jason kidd but the dallas Mavs are in trouble they're they're in trouble like i don't i don't see them uh, being able to, I don't, know, I don't think this, they can resolve whatever's going on right now with between Jason Kidd and uh, Kyrie Irving's not the problem. It's Jason Kidd's more the problem right now, yeah. which is weird. So anyway, we'll get to that too. We got plenty of time talking NBA. We come back. We got the uh, with the March, uh, the madness of March that we'll discuss. Talk about how the experts love the Longhorns and why you should be drinking that burnt orange Kool Aid. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie, one four nine the Horn.